Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perkins Platform. This is Monthly Solutions Audit Talk Radio Show. Uh, we were having some feedback. Uh, did you hear the feedback there? Test. Uh, we're having just a little bit of technical difficulty. Not sure why we have the feedback. Test one, two, three. Okay, there we go. I think we've eliminated the feedback. I had two microphones open. So, again, welcome to the Perkins Platform. Uh, This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show and podcast. Each month we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education, leadership, and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So uh, with exception of our technical difficulties, it's a beautiful, wonderful day here uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, and so bringing greetings from there. Today I have a, uh, a very special guest, an author, uh, someone who has been involved with um, uh, education for a while, um, has received so many honors in terms of her service to public education. She's written for the New York Times, New Yorker, the Wall Street Journal, and on and on. I'm delighted to have her here with us today. Uh, and um, I, I, am, I think that you will be pleased uh, to hear from her also. Uh, so welcome, Alexandra Robbins. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I, I, as I told you before we started, it's not a stretch to know why I wanted to talk to you. Uh, and the title of today's show is The Truth About Teachers. Uh, some people may think that this is going to be a show about kind of like the ugly side of teaching. Um, but what uh, I know from reading about uh, your the work that you've done and, and the bird's eye view that you have shared um, and received so much recognition for in your book. Um, so I, before we get to talking about your book and the, the, the wonderful work that you've done, I'd love to just get a, get a little snapshot as to how you got here. Where did you start? I know you were in journalism, if I'm not correct, uh, um, incorrect first. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got to this point. That's right. I'm a journalist, and pretty early on I realized I had more to say than I could fit in an article, so I started writing books. Um, Since my second book, I've mostly written about education. I've been on the education beat. Uh, And this new book, uh, The Teachers, uh, A Year Inside America's Most most Vulnerable, Important Profession, um, is basically... For me, it's the most important book I've ever written. It is mm. my it is my last book. I'm not writing another book after this because I want to focus on helping to advocate for teachers and helping to defend public education. This is um, the interviews and the 
um, experiences I had writing this book were so powerful mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. I I don't want to move on from these issues. I want to stay mm-hmm. in this realm and help to fix them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so starting out in journalism, you so have you always written about education, or how did you how did you get to education? Uh, Except for a brief stint in sports, which I loved, um, I've just always been, I mean, education is where my heart is, so uh, mm-hmm. almost all my books. Um, I, I did a brief departure um, to write a book about nurses in uh, 2015 because nurses asked me to. Basically, my style is I follow people for a year. I focus on a subculture in which the members' voices are not heard or are dismissed or I feel should be amplified. And Mm. so in the case of nurses, they felt, okay, well, you keep covering education, but the medical field is similar. Can you cover um, us so people can understand what it's like to be us? So that book was called Mm. The Nurses. And Mm. when the nurses came out, I heard from teachers, and I had always planned to write about teachers someday, but teachers wrote me and said, can you write about teachers because – um, the, the professions are very similar. Nurses and teachers are both um, female-dominated workforce, mm-hmm. male-dominated supervisors. Um, yeah. Historically, historically, it's historically that way, and they're also underpaid, underappreciated, helping uh, professions. So there, mm-hmm. there are many similarities between the two. Um, but mm-hmm. I had always planned to write about teachers someday. And, and, and in my books about students, teachers often play a major role anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, was it that you thought that the best way to get, get inside was to actually experience it yourself? Uh, did, was that intentional? You decided, look, I'm going to get a job as a teacher so I can really understand this topic. No, it's funny because people people assumed that because when I did a book about sororities, I did go undercover. <laughs> in a uh, and when I wrote a when I wrote a book about um, following high school students through the college admissions process, I actually embedded myself at a high school. I wasn't uh, I wasn't undercover for that, but I was at a high school mm-hmm. for a year. All the kids knew me. I just sort wow. of plunked in the journalism room. Um, but this book was different. Um, uh, no, I started substitute teaching uh, pre-pandemic before mm. people knew that there was a substitute teacher, um, I don't want to say shortage, that, um, there weren't enough substitute teachers. That's something that non-educators really didn't know before the pandemic. I happened to read an article about that and said, oh, well, I love mm-hmm. kids, I love education, I love teachers, so I can help out. So I signed up and I applied and I figured I would help you know, once every couple of weeks while I was continuing to write, but I, I fell mm-hmm. in love with being a sub. Um, I, I, I really enjoy the connections with the students. I really enjoy the teachers who, whom I cover, whom I um, serve with. Sometimes I sub as a paraeducator in their classrooms, and it was so rewarding. I did it a lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Now, at the, at the same time, I was, uh, I was trying to write a book about teachers, um, and I was well into it, but then uh, two days before the August open house of the last last school year, not this year, but uh, the 2021-2022 year, um, a school where I had short-term subbed 
had a new class allocated for third grade, but they couldn't find a teacher. This was when uh, the Delta wave of COVID was was, uh, hitting, Mm -hmm. and it was before elementary schoolers could get vaccinated, and they just could not find a sub. So they asked me to long-term sub to basically teach third grade full-time until they could find someone. And so I said, sure, but I ended up teaching from August all the way to winter break before they found someone. And so that was entirely Mm. unexpected. Um, Yes. It was it was hard because I was I had two full time jobs basically um, I I had this book deadline but I also had this classroom of children who were depending on me so I, I'm glad that happened because one of the things I had heard from teachers was how many of them had to work a second job just to be able to afford to continue being a teacher so I got to see what that lifestyle was like and it is really hard <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes anyway. Uh, So I didn't intend to be a substitute teacher at the same time as I was writing a book, but of course it it helped inform the depth of what I was writing about. It helped me to understand things that teachers were telling me in a way that I could actually I could actually tangibly experience them. And I think for me, a lot of people say, you know, well, like what was it that you learned that you weren't expecting because you've been interviewing teachers for so many years. For me, the biggest takeaway as a, as a, as a being, from being a, a full-time third-grade teacher was I understand uh, the joy and the meaningfulness and the inner reward that you get just from making, for example, a single connection or a single mm. um, moment of progress with one student in one day mm-hmm. and how that can keep mm-hmm. you going uh, for weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was important to to learn because here I'm talking in the book about teachers' working conditions and how there are so many things that need to change for teachers. And then I'm wondering, well, wh- why do they stay? Okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand mm-hmm. because those moments are are so powerful that mm. while they're they're not enough, teachers need to be compensated properly. Teachers need better working conditions. They need to feel safe in their workplace. Um, I mm-hmm. do understand the the pull to be in the classroom, which is something yes, that yes. I, I couldn't have understood unless I had experienced it. Mm. Would you say that you did not understand it until you had the experience itself? Um, I mean, I, I I could get glimmers of it from being a short-term sub, but having mm-hmm. my own classroom – I truly understand I, I truly understand now and something I didn't really understand beforehand how you really feel like you're building uh a little family in there for mm. the time mm-hmm. that you're with them and it's not just connections with individual students it's the dynamics of the class as a whole and you know if the classroom management um is 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 under control and if 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 everything's going right if you have supportive parents which all all of which i was i was i was so lucky to have it's a it, it's sort of a magical little world um and being able to learn alongside the kids uh and, and and mutually grow together and 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 see their aha moments when they're grasping new connections or or concepts um it's just it's it's a really special journey Mm-hmm. Well, I can certainly identify with what you're saying because um, early in my career, I had, um, I'd just say, the distinct uh, privilege of substitute teaching early as well. And um, I never will forget, I, I won't 
mention where it was, but I will I I will never forget the first day of um, doing that, and and it was they had put me it was a it was kind of a per diem, so like if someone was out sick or something like that, so I was yeah. from place to place to place. But yeah, short term the stuff. first day, yeah, short term, yeah. So I show up the first day, and I. Uh, I'm a fairly large man, and and I um, went into the classroom kindergarten, <laughs> and I remember the expression on the little boys' faces when they saw me. One one little boy looked at me. He said, "You're our teacher," and then uh-huh. I said, "For today," and he said, "Yes." You know, with one of those, um, you know, enthusiastic, uh, um, as if he had won the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was incredible. So there were um, throughout the time that I did that, uh, there were moments where it was just I definitely can identify with what you said. Question I have for you: You know, we we hear often teachers that have been in it a long time, and and when question, why do you do this? With there's low pay, there's there's so we get that you say that there are these moments, um, and often teachers will come back and say, "I never thought I would be a teacher, but um, here's where I ended up, and it actually ended up being my calling." So, can you speak to that? Did you did you experience that? Did you? Did you see people actually feel that there was a, a greater purpose for them in their lives uh, being fulfilled than, than just being very well paid or even, you know, respected or what have you, but that they really uh, identified with this call? Yeah, it's a delicate issue because feeling that teaching is a calling isn't mutually exclusive from wanting to be paid like the trained, skilled, certified Mm -hmm. professional you are. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yes, they feel like it's a calling, but at the same time, you know, we're getting to the point and we're seeing now unprecedented numbers of educators fleeing the profession. Um, We're getting to the point where they're realizing that's not enough. Um, we yeah, have to be yeah. treated right. And, you know, as, as a sub, yes, I, I thought, I, you know what, I would, I would stop all my journalism right now and be a permanent substitute teacher um, because of just the meaningfulness of being there and how mm. happy I am and fulfilled I feel mm-hmm. at the end of the day and at moments throughout, except I got to tell you, last school year I substitute taught 150 days out of 180 so there was wow. a whole semester almost of just being a full-time, straight-up full-time teacher, and then I short-term subbed most of second semester. So 150 mm-hmm. days out of 180. Do you want to guess what they paid me? And this includes um, oh. this includes the COVID raise. This includes all the days I worked when they said, okay, there's going to be a bonus for subs today because this is a popular day for um, teachers to take, like the day before Memorial Day weekend and, and you know, days like that. Um, there was, a, there was a, a, bon- a retention bonus in there because they were having such a hard time finding subs for the whole year. What do you think I got paid? Mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm going to guess it was $100 a day, 100, so $18,000. Oh, my God. 
my gosh, you are so close. Yeah, I made I made just I made seventeen thousand six hundred twenty dollars and thirty eight. Wow, you are yeah. good. <laughs> so you know, yeah. yes, I yeah. feel it's a calling, but it's not calling yeah. me too loudly if it's only paying me seventeen thousand dollars a year. Sure. And I think sure, that's the way no. teachers are now are now feeling too. Like, yes, it's a calling. Mm-hmm. We want to be here. This we want to be in the classroom, but we can't take these working conditions anymore. Mm-hmm. And and so that that when you I mean that's a very powerful statement you just made though about you you know if if you could you you, you know you would you would do that um, work uh, what was it that you felt a real affinity for was it that those just those moments with the students uh, camaraderie with your your peers and fellow teachers or all of it in between so what what was it what were some of those things that really uh, resonated with you well you know all the above but you know it really hit me last week so after my book tour started winding down um, I returned to I just took a couple months off um, the book just came out um, and mm-hmm. I took a couple months off to, to do what I had to do for that, and then I went right back to the classroom. Um, so a couple weeks ago, uh, my book became a national bestseller. Mm-hmm. The same week, um, I subbed for a classroom with a notoriously difficult child whom the, all the, the staff knows uh, is, is, is a toughie. Um, and I felt like that day... You know, he started to do his thing, and I hadn't subbed for him um, in about a year. I hadn't subbed for that particular child. Um, and I remembered what I had done last time, and I remembered that he was, he had been very challenged. You know, he's a, he, he's, he is disruptive in the classroom, and as teachers know, students are more disruptive now than they were before the pandemic, and even just one disruptive student can affect an entire class the whole day. So I knew I had to somehow um, reach him. Uh, and and I I did and he uh, he was instead of throwing chairs like he was trying to do last year uh, he was hugging me and you know just hanging out with mm. me and when we walked when we walked down the hallway I kept him quiet by holding his hand up with me at the front of the line when I needed them on task for things I asked him to sit in a special seat next to my desk just to keep him from not being disruptive. Um, mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, he had done all his work. He hadn't disrupted the class once. Um, he asked me when I was subbing again. And it just, the feeling of success I had at mm-hmm. the end of that day, just that day, just that um, day. Mm-hmm. eclipsed the feeling I had of the success when I found out that my book had become a national bestseller. And wow. for me, that was the moment. I mean, I knew already that I was, I, I'm not moving on from focusing on teacher advocacy, but for me, and this just happened this, a week or two ago, um, that was the moment where I was like, this is why I should be in the classroom and, and not yeah. writing any more books because this, yes. the feeling I have at the end of the day, just the feeling of just peace and like I had done something truly meaningful um, and that sense of inner accomplishment at just, you know, managing this class with this child throughout the day, and they all left happy, and they all got all their work done, and didn't miss a beat in the in the curriculum. It just for me, that was that was a powerful and and rewarding moment. Sure, sure. For those of you who may be just joining us, I'm having a conversation with Alexandra Robbins, a, a national best-selling art, uh, author. 
uh, of the teachers, a year inside of America's most vulnerable, important profession. Uh, Alexandra spent a year uh, as a substitute teacher and uh, is telling some of the stories about uh, what it meant uh, for her to be a teacher. Um, Alexandra, one, one thing that you may not know um, is that, um, so I started my career uh, as a professor in teacher education. I'm now the director of a um, uh, principal preparation program, but I started out in teacher ed. And I had, I remember there was a book then and that back then that I used with some, that was actually written by someone who would become my colleague at Teachers College. Um, and it was the, the uh, class that I taught was called The Role of the Teacher. And so the text that we used was kind of a, 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 an ethnography of a few teachers and this, this researcher is following these teachers. And there's one teacher in the, the text that actually leaves the profession and realizes that it's not for her. And I remember when I chose that book and, and some some students would come up to me later and say, thank you so much. I, I, I never thought about all sides of this. I made up my mind that it was what I wanted to do, and so I just kind of stuck with it. Um, but some of my colleagues didn't like the fact that it was like, look, we're in the business of getting people to be teachers, not trying to talk them out of it. And I said, you know, I, I'm not trying to talk anyone out of it. What I'm trying to do is to make sure they understand how important it is to assume this role and that while uh, the common view on it is that it's not like being a lawyer or not like being a physician or surgeon, um, but I see it differently. I actually think it is as important, if not more important. And so I'm really trying to get people to understand, don't do this because people have told you that it's a good fallback career. It's actually something you should intend to do and want to do. Um, what did you see when you were in this, this role um, were some of the motivations others had that were doing this? Yeah, um, so for, did, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, that's it, basically. For uh, a school year, um, the way the book is shaped is I followed three excellent teachers for an academic year. I followed Penny, a math teacher in the South, Miguel, um, a special education teacher out West, and Rebecca, an East Coast elementary school teacher, so readers could really get immersed in their sort of captivating behind-the-scenes stories and secrets and understand their different perspectives as teachers. Of course, I also interviewed hundreds of teachers across the country um, mm -hmm. to find out what's really going on in schools and what they think the public needs to know, but I wrote the book as sort of a, a fast-paced fiction-style book so that people could relate to and root for the three main characters. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I knew mm -hmm. that readers would would love Rebecca, Penny, and Miguel as main characters because their stories are both intriguing and relatable. Penny, for example, was dealing with toxic workplace cliques, which is something that mm -hmm. a lot of people can relate to, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and she had an unsupportive principal. Uh, Miguel and Rebecca both had supportive principals. Uh, Miguel was fighting a school board 
that was discriminating against spe special ed teachers, programs, and students. Uh, Rebecca uh, hadn't had time to date in five years because she put everything she had into teaching. So I followed her the year she vowed to try to figure out a work-life balance and return to the dating pool. And mm -hmm. all of them were struggling with how much of their life should be focused on their job. Um, mm. I don't want to do any plot spoilers because there, right, there right. are moments in the book where, um, where one of them is like, gosh, should I, should I leave the profession? And you don't find out until the end what happens. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, I think it's important for aspiring educators and for students at teachers' colleges to see um, the career as it really is because you don't want to go into it thinking it's going to be one way and then finding out it's going to be another. Also, I think that um, literature that describes the career before the year 2000 is now probably completely outdated. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Because Absolutely. teachers have told me um, specifically that since No Child Left Behind, uh, mm -hmm. The profession has become something completely different, and it's you know it's for many reasons. There's the government's focus on standardized testing, which changed the game for teachers, um, not only in the obvious ways, but also because for a time their paychecks and their jobs could uh, hinge on how their students happened to do on one specific test on one random day, which which ended up creating this atmosphere of like fear and competition, and the public picked up on that. Um, social media has changed the game, both in the polarization <laughs> of how parents are talking about teachers, and not just parents. Um, and, I don't want to. Um, I'll give one one um, um, moment of, of of hope and optimism. Um, all the negativity that you hear on social media and in surveys and such um, about teachers, the vast majority vast majority of parents are actually very happy with their local schools. Recent uh -huh. surveys have found that the negativity is mostly coming from people who don't even have school-aged children. So mm. people are weighing in, politicians are weighing in, and certain factions of society are weighing in negatively, and they're not even stakeholders. So, you know, mm. but anyway, back to social media. So that changed the game. And also the teacher pay gap has hit a record high. Uh, U.S. educators are paid almost 24% less than professionals with similar experience and education. Um, also, there's a feeling among teachers that there's less respect for the teaching profession now than 20, 30 years ago, yet they have mm -hmm. more responsibilities than 20 or 30 years ago. Um, yes. The teacher pay gap alongside that was maybe 6%, I think, in the 1990s, and now it's 24. So the, the game is, has completely changed for teachers, and mm -hmm. I, I think that's one reason so many teachers are retiring um, before they otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the description, um, and again, not to spoil anything, I, I strongly recommended those of you who are interested in this topic definitely um, had some must-read. Um, it's a bestseller, and um, and so you you get to really go behind the curtain uh, with 
with these stories um, that um, I think you you have you have definitely um, tapped into something uh, that people are are really interested in in terms of what's really going on behind the door you know behind the doors behind the curtain um, and uh, you you have done an amazing job of also. It, uh, having it come across almost like fiction, uh, that you really weave and tell a great story or a series of stories um, uh, while making points uh, along the way. So um, definitely something that uh, uh, is, a, is a good read and an easy read. Um, so um, I'm, I'm sure there will be people who will, will walk away really appreciating um, um, what you've done here. Uh, your your I remember uh, seeing one of the the description that there's a who done it uh, in yeah. in here. I was like a a murder mystery of sorts, not a murder, but a, <laughs> um, one of the uh, elementary grade school who who did what. Um, so um, I, you know, it uh, definitely is something that I'm sure a lot of people will recall from when they were in school and and otherwise. So um, it's amazing. Here we are almost at the end of our time, but I do want to um, just give you a moment to tell us what is it that you hope uh, this book accomplishes? Um, I, when you, you say you heard, you got the news that it was a bestseller and it, it excited you. Why? What was it that excited you about that? Well, I, my goal was to um, get teachers' voices heard. It's critical mm-hmm. that teachers' voices be heard now, urgently, across the country, mm-hmm. across political parties. Um, and I'm happy that it's starting to get into the national dialogue because we need mm-hmm. more and louder pro-teacher voices um, speaking up, speaking out, and standing up for educators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you you mentioned 20 years ago um, things uh, are much different. I would I would argue even within the last 16 months, um, where now teachers are on the front line of the culture wars. Yeah, uh, and true. and so things are even more different than then, um, just a short time ago. Um, so. Um, you know, it, it is. It's amazing how how much we have put education at the front lines of a lot of things. You know, people might argue, "I didn't sign up for this." You know, <laughs> like this is not how I wanted to spend my time as a teacher. But unfortunately, having to police and and uh, be careful not to say too much about historical facts uh, is unfortunate. But that's where we find our teachers at today. Hundred percent. Yeah, the 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 book bans and the um, alignment with politicians who are pushing for bigoted policies in the name of parents' rights make it much mm-hmm. harder to be a teacher because and, and and a school counselor and a school librarian who are who are also all educators, but people sometimes forget that because they all want to do right by students and doing right mm-hmm. by students means giving them books in which students can see themselves, means teaching about racism in American history, teaching about LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus identities. Um, 
um, having class discussions of race and racism and gender and LGBTQ issues, all of which certain politicians are trying to censor. Um, and so it, it, the politics doesn't even matter. It's the teachers want to do right by the kids, and they want to be there mm-hmm. for the kids, and they are supposed mm-hmm. to be trusted adults for the kids, and this movement is taking that away from them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well said. So, Alexandra, any uh, social media handles, places, uh, again, uh, those of you who are joining in uh, late, The Teachers is the book. Uh, Where can people follow you and find out more about the work that you've done and what your your next um, publications are? Um, Probably the best way is at my website, which is alexandrarobbins.com. Two bees like Baskin Robbins, but unfortunately, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, contributing today. You've definitely added to me, and I'm just wishing you the best of uh, success, continued success with you, with this book and your future endeavors. So, uh, until we speak again, go well, stay well. You too. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you.